Welcome to Sigma Sports Presents Matt Stevens Unplugged. And in this episode, we have a very special appearance from one of the biggest names in cycling. A man whose name needs no introduction, an individual whose character is just as unforgettable as his Palmares. And I'm talking, of course, about Kenny Van Vlamick. We'll also chat with a former professional cyclist by the name of Bradley Wiggins. Matt Stevens Unplugged by Sigma Sports. We've all become more aware of our daily exercise routine and trying to keep track of our fitness and performance on the bike over the last few weeks. Now, one of the best ways to do that is by getting your hands on a decent GPS bike computer. And now is a great time to do it because the folks at Sigma Sports have teamed up with Wahoo to give you £25 cash back when you purchase a new Wahoo Element Bolt during the month of May. All you need to do is head to sigmasports.com forward slash podcast where you can find all of the details. Bradley Wiggins was the first British cyclist to win the Tour de France. He's an Olympic gold medalist five times over and he's been a national champion in more ways than one. And he's also the first night we've ever had on this podcast. Bollocks! <laughs> oh, I just got another follower on Zwift. Woohoo! Uh, Stipu Koski started... Uh, no, he didn't. No, he just started Zwift. He's not followed me. Bollocks! Bradley Wiggins was the first British cyclist to win the Tour de France. He's an Olympic gold medalist five times over, and he's been a national champion in more ways than one. He's also the first knight we've ever had on the podcast. We spent an hour chatting one sunny evening recently, and if you listen carefully, you can even hear the birds chirping and the planes going over Wiggo's back garden. Uh, hello, Brad. Hi, Matt. You all right? You break? Are you breaking up? No, I'm here. Can you hear me? I can hear you now, mate. I've just turned my yeah. volume up a little bit. Thanks for joining us on, on uh, Matt Stevens Unplugged. Very, very kind of you, mate. No, that's that's quite all right. Um, it's not like there's a lot else to do, is there, at the moment, which is uh, um, relative to the situation we're in, but it's um, it's quite good. I quite enjoy it, these sort of things. It's, well, I would say it gets you out, but it doesn't get you out, but it's quite nice to talk to mates and I think Instagram Live and all these things have become quite a big hit, haven't they, during this period? And it's actually... It sort of makes you wonder why we didn't do more of it, eh? Because everyone's got access to it. And I think it's only this lockdown period that's kind of brought new ways of communicating and bringing sort of entertainment to people, hasn't it? Yeah, I think it's a good point. I think I think lots and lots of people are, are saying that there'll be irreversible changes in society once we start getting back to normal. And, mm. um, you know... I think there'll be a lot of things we go back to doing, but I, I, th- I think it, I think things are, will have changed. I don't know. It, it's it's a it's a big shame we've had to go through this. So many people had to lose their lives. A lot of people put through a lot of hardship. But you know, I think there's strangely, hopefully, there'll be some positive spin on it. And um, I think yeah. appreciating the smaller things in life, Brad. Is I, I just yeah, I'm appreciating the really small things that you you basically just passed you by in the past, and now I don't know things are kind of looking different, aren't they? Well, yeah. I mean, that's. Um that's a good way of putting it. I think it's, um, you know, particularly when I went Instagram live of Cav and um, I think we underestimate maybe our friendship and when we just talk casually, which you're sort of able to do on something like Instagram live um, and kind of people seeing you that relaxed in that environment, kind of how much better it is for those people rather than being interviewed on the TV or maybe even just a podcast, you know, where people hear your voice. It's quite yeah. nice to people to see your face in your home where yeah. you're relaxed. And I think that's um, something we're looking at sort of keeping going really more than anything. I think definitely having a visual um, to just 
a contrived sort of sitting in a studio recording a podcast adds a completely different element to it, doesn't it, really? Because I think everyone's in that situation. It's quite nice for people to see, say, myself or Mark Cavendish in our home doing the same thing they are in lockdown. And I think that's having a sort of glimpse into people's lives around the world that maybe people look up to or revere. Yeah. Um, it's, it's been quite a nice thing for people to see, really, doing the same thing they are, you know? Yeah. I, I think we all crave, don't we? I mean, people we look up to, people we admire, in varying degrees, we all, we're all interested in other people's lives to a degree. But when you can scratch the surface and, and you feel like you're seeing somebody real, not who's putting up, on a, up a pretense or a uh, veneer for, for like an interview, to see somebody genuinely smiling at home, relaxed, talking with a mate, in, in the, you know, it's, it's a really good example, you and Cav. Yeah. It, well, it's, the thing with Cav, the second one we did, he was having to sit on some stairs because his kids were kind of going to bed and stuff. And I think ev- how many people around the country were doing that at the same time? You know, it's quite a nice glimpse into his life, isn't it? It's real, isn't it? Uh, yeah. people, people, people crave... You know, we talk about reality TV, and and I guess this is a kind of weird little spin-off of that. I mean, it's not as obviously constructed as that, but to see two oh. mates, you know, two obviously amazing bike riders as well. But that's almost by the by now, isn't yeah. it? I mean, cycling is still important to us, but at the moment, the important thing to to me anyway is just people. You know, people are important, aren't they? They are, yeah. And I think people have realised that, haven't they? I mean, certainly the materialistic world we live in now. Um, it's all irrelevant if you can't go out and use that stuff. There's no point in having a 20 grand watch and a 50,000 pound car and this, that and the other if everywhere's shut and you've just got to sit at your house really and use, we're lucky, I think we're lucky in the world we live in to have, you know, people talk about, you know, as, as sort of technology and that kind of advanced too far and it's a shame, you know, talk about social media and whether it's a good thing or a bad thing for kids especially, but but in a period like this, I mean, it's been it's been superb, hasn't it, for for keeping people encouraged people to be able to see the people they look up to or whatever um you know it, it's taken it's the new form of entertainment it's taken over from tv I don't, we, I don't watch tv anymore but i watch people's instagram lives and things like that it's, it's it's just it's interesting isn't it and i think that it's just what you said there really people but not yeah. not contrived people just authenticity really and it's, it's nice to get that view from around the world of in a different context really so in the world we love and watch and cycling. I know it's disproportionate to what's going on in the world, but just to see the people you look up to in cycling in exactly the yeah. same position as, as kind of the world is, um, but still talking about it and, and putting things into context for them and, and telling you kind of, well, I managed to do such and such on the trainer today, on the home trainer. And, and we were talking earlier, things, bit, bit things like Zwift and that. Yeah. Um, it gives an opportunity for, you know, cyclists to still watch their heroes kind of or ra- ride with them in some circumstances on, on some on a, on a platform like Zwift yeah no it, it's uh, it is a really it is a strange time mate and um, you know there's uh, that's been a lot of difficulties but there's a lot of good that's come come of it and, and I think I'm more minded now to make sure that I actually do keep in touch with people as well you know yeah. uh, you know I am watching TV a lot less weirdly although I'm watching certain I'm a bit more discerning and I, I kind of um I'm really selective in what I want to watch, if you know what I mean. And uh, yeah. I, I make an effort to watch that. But other times I'm on, on the phone a lot to my mum, to my dad, and yeah. um, make, sure, make sure I speak to my son as best as I can because I haven't seen him for six weeks, like a lot of people, you know, yes. in lockdown. We haven't managed but uh, not managed to see my son. But um, I think I, I value that kind of human contact more more than ever. And just going out for walks. I mean, yeah. I've, there's I've an just, appreciation with that now, isn't there? Definitely. Yeah, it's insane. And to just going walking around and I, I was – it's having the time to do that. I've found, you know, yeah. it's the things you don't, you're so rushed off your feet doing 
that you don't appreciate that's there on your doorstep in the first place. I think a lot of people have realised that. And, and the fact that that's all you can do, it becomes the fundamental basic in your life that you, you learn to have to appreciate it because that becomes almost the highlight of your day, doesn't it, really? Yeah. Yeah, I, I think what, what I've kind of what I've kind of uh, liked and, and found quite warm is is they, uh, they, there seems to be, I mean, I've only been in the area that I'm living for about a year and a bit now, but there's a real community spirit. You know, there's one or two little, you know, I'm getting to know people in the little supermarket I go to, and there's a couple of little cafes that now just serve coffee out the window. Yeah, and um, to go and have a little bit of a daily chat with them, and, and and you know use their service, and 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 Holly, we order kind of fresh fruit and veg locally from a yeah. shop that's closed down, uh, but you know, but they they're still delivering to your house. So there's there, there feels to you know there's there's like a little bit of a community spirit which I've never really felt before. Um, and then I obviously, think, yeah, no, and I think half the country are going to be alcoholics by the end of it. That's for sure. Well, I'm, I'm um, sipping a beer here, mate. Although it is my first night this week with a beer. Is uh, it? I'm and it is a lovely night as well, isn't it? I mean, it's it's lovely in, in sort of West London today. It's it's like gorgeous. Jamaica, like Barbados. You've just turned forty, haven't you? I have. And um, before we and I, before we came on air, whatever you want to call this, before we started recording the pod, um, we had a bit of a chat over the phone, and uh, you were talking about what it's like to turn forty, and and, and 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 a group of people pulled together some lovely videos for you, didn't they? I mean, and that yeah, really yeah. really touched you, didn't it? Yeah, I mean, like I say, you know, it's. Um, based off the back of what we've just been talking about you know i suppose in normal circumstances like your 50th early in the year you know the, the tendency is to maybe hire somewhere and have a big party and have people close by you but you know you have to kind of improvise and one of my closest friends um, pulled together a video um for me of all the people that kind of sort of I suppose mean the most to me really and and it was probably the best present the most thoughtful present i've ever had really because um it's um they had to improvise, but in that improvisation became probably the greatest gift, really. And it was it was lovely, you know, something you've got for time. And, you know, it's um, – and what we just talked about, there was a lot of what maybe society would deem as celebrities on there, but I don't see them as that. They're kind of my friends that I've known for a long time. And it was uh, – I was just showing you some clippets of it. And some old colleagues as well that we used to race with that you know very well, you know, many years ago before the sport was at the level it's at now. Um, and – they also appreciate how far it's come, but they only still see me as Brad. And it's, um, again, that's something that's come out of the circumstances we're in. You know, it was, it was a priceless present, cost nothing. But it, again, what you, going back to what you said about humans and people, it was just, um, it was the best present I've ever had. And um, it, as I say, it cost nothing. And it, uh, it would never have come about had we not been in this situation because we would have probably hired somewhere and had a party and, um, you know, I value that forever. It's yeah, it's, it's, it's permanent, isn't it? And um, like I said, I've been lucky enough to hear some of those messages, mate. And um, from from the great and the good within the cycling industry and beyond. I mean, um, pr- pretty special. And uh, yeah, it was. Um, and, and a couple of people people got. I mean, I think we should mention Matt Ellingworth, an ex-teammate of mine, actually, many, many years mm. ago, and obviously one of um, you know a very, very close friend of yours. Got super emotional, didn't he? Yeah, but I think that comes of age. You know, I think. I used to be very emotionally guarded and kind of as you get older, you, you you sort of don't care anymore. You learn not to be. I mean, I think as your kids get older, definitely, you know, and you start to have to be a parent and that you kind of all that is gone, really. And, and also, I'm a very different person to who I was eight years ago when I was in my pomp, you know, 2012. And, um, you know, I've been retired for four years now and, and um, 
you've a lot to learn when you retire from cycling and you know, I was quite institutionalized and I'd always had stuff done for me and you know you get away with a lot of things that you wouldn't get away with in society when you behave in a certain way yeah. and because you're good and because you're you've got a status and people can brush it off and in many cases when you know if you're petulant or you swear or you do something that's quite shocking it, it's sort of you know kind of you get away with it because oh yeah but look how good you are on a bike and maybe that's what makes you good. Um, you know, you're a bit prickly or whatever. But actually, in the real world, some, a lot of that stuff doesn't doesn't rub. That doesn't that doesn't get you by really. So I think you learn that over time, really, when you retire um, from a, an elite sportsman and obviously fame and stuff. And, and when you get a message like that, I think you appreciate it more than ever, really. Um, yeah, um, th- th- I think yeah. the, all, th- the sentiments that there was nothing. Not that there would be, but all, all the sentiments were just um, very, very, you know. Well, I think a lot of it is like human validation. Yeah. Human validation. I think a yeah. lot of that I've craved over the years. The fame thing never really sat easy with me. You know, the, most days, you know, people come up to you and some days it's more than others. Some days it's, it's nothing. But people sort yeah. of, oh, you, you know, you Bradley Wiggins, I always say I used to be. And, oh, you're a hero, you're a legend and this, that and the other. But they don't know you. And I understand why, because it means so much to them, you know, your achievements. But it doesn't give you validation as a human being that, you know, you're a nice guy or you're all right. I mean, I, I strive to be a kind, nice person every day to people. I do a lot aside from cycling that I don't do for an Instagram post or for a medal and that just because I care about people. And um, yeah, that doesn't always come across to, you know, you're held to a perception of maybe an interview you did 10 years ago where you swear or you've been quite shocking or, and yeah. that perception lasts with you really. So in order, you know, aside from craving, a human validation that you're a nice person because I think there's probably some things that I did or said in interviews that I'm, I'm a little bit ashamed of or I know who that person was and it's not me anymore but that's not me anymore um, but that perception sticks with you really and um, so to, to have those messages from you know close friends and people that it's nothing to do with your achievements but that you kept it real and that don't change you're a nice person that it's that you know I suppose we all do that in, in everyday life you know you try you only care about the people that you care about and you don't really care about the opinions of, of people that maybe reach out to your show from social media and tell you what they yeah. think of you, how good yeah. or bad. And yeah. I get the odd one of those, you know, people saying, you know, I think you're or whatever, or excuse my language, but, yeah. um, and, and I always sort of reply to those and don't ignore them. And I say, look, I'm sorry you feel that way. Um, um, and I hope you and your family are well holding up during this period. And I always reply like that, really kill them with kindness because it's a shame people will reach out when they don't really know you and say that based on a perception or something you've said a while ago. Um, but that's, that's a w- the world yeah. we live in. It, it, and I think that's a, without going on about social media for too long, Brad, I think that is a phenomenon, isn't it? That people can hide. I mean, I'm quite similar in terms of the way that I react to people on social media. Cause I get a few people saying, you know, nasty things. It's not very often, but occasionally, but I always reply, but generally rather than blocking them or, I'll just disagree with them, but and then and then say, look, mate, you know that's your opinion, and give them a thumbs up or something, and 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 quite often some of them will say, oh, fair enough, mate, and you can spin them round just by not biting and yeah, uh, and also I mean, it, it's hmm. draining, it's draining, you know. Uh, I, I see a lot of people consumed by social media, mate, that, that because there's a lot of hate on social media, you know, less less on Instagram, but I haven't got the energy to kind of be nasty, mate. I just like if somebody's got no, an opinion, I, I sort of have really. I'm quite fascinated by human behaviour, yeah, and I, I'm studying 
human psychology and social psychology at the moment. And I tend to reach out to them because I think it's quite, it's more of a reflection on them that you've got to put yourself in the mindset of someone that feels that they, they would do that. And it, it, you know, A, they follow you and they feel the need to tell you that in, in, in an obscenity. I mean, uh, not everyone's going to like you and I accept that, but not everyone knows you. And But it's the, the venom and the anger that comes with some people that I feel sorry for them because they don't know. And if they probably did know you, if they were ever on their arse and you sort of put your hand up and helped them up, they'd probably change their opinion. So it's a reflection of their unhappiness, really, that they feel that the need to do that. They, yeah. feel, that, they feel the need that they can. It, it, you know, it's... Um, it le- the way people, other people behave on social media, it almost legitimizes the, the the fact that they feel that they can do that without any repercussions. Yeah, it's, it's almost um, become normalized, isn't it? Yeah, it has. Um, and you have to think of the frame of mind someone has to be in in order to feel the need that they, they will actually get a bit of satisfaction from doing that and telling you what they think of you. Because um, it's not normal for everyone in society or social, you know, socially to like each other but the fact that they have a glimpse into your life which is called for and a lot of people get a lot of joy out of that like we were talking about at the start yeah but then we'll criticize it um and a lot of people think well i'm not going to go on social media because i can't handle it but it's um you know if someone annoys you that much then don't look at them really or you know but not everyone's gonna like you but not everyone's gonna get the full content of you either they just get the book cover which exactly. is it's a shame, really. But, yeah. you know, I don't mind people telling me. It's quite nice to have, you know, sometimes the um, the criticism and people telling you they don't like you is actually quite a good thing. Otherwise, you just hear all the nice things. Yeah. yeah. Um, but very rarely you get someone criticize you or tell you what they think and articulate it well enough because it comes in an obscenity. And I think that's quite, that's a shame, really. But that says a lot about them and either their intelligence or their unhappiness in their own life really yeah their own, their own state of mind i mean i mean talking about state of minds and you know your 40th birthday i mean we all say life begins at 40 and i believe, believe well I, I say life begins at 50 for obvious reasons mate i'm trying to give myself kick kickstart my life not that it needed it i mean i'm, I'm in a, a really really good place but what i'd like to know um brad and i think i know a little bit of what the answer might be uh and what I'd like you to tell other people is what inspires you now? Like you, you've just turned 40 a few days ago um, with the world in a strange, in a strange p- position, but, but you're, you're doing some, some things that, that I know you really love. I mean, but what, what makes you, what inspires you on a daily basis now, mate? And what are you really into? Um, I think self-worth really more than anything. Um, you know, I don't really have any ambitions to um, achieve anything. You know, people go, what, what's, what, what's your sort of long-term goal now? Now, what, what do you want to do? What's your ambition? And, and a lot of the time, it's just to be happy, if I'm honest. And happiness for me is like just caring about people and, and helping people in a way that's constructive. And I don't mean just being fake. Um, it's just, um, just the world we live in now, really. It's not. It's certainly not materialistic anymore. It's... Um, being a parent to kids, a proper parent, I don't mean just, um, you know, donning them with like materialistic gifts and things, you know, it's just like supporting people emotionally and stuff, you know, and, and just being kind to people really. And, and that certainly gives me self-worth and stuff, but not, not to the point where you're walking around sort of just deluded that anyone can say anything they like to and you're just kind of, 
like a know, Christian or something or like a Jehovah's Witness way. Just, just you know, like I think self-awareness to the point that when you recognize people around you, there's a lot of talk of mental health and things like that, yeah. but having enough self-awareness to just ask someone if they're okay and not just assume yeah. they are. And, yeah, yeah. And, and, and looking after people, looking after people that either mean a lot to you or, um, and, and I suppose hitting 40, you know, like you obviously quite close to Cav really. And we've never spoke about lots of things, but you know, certainly what he said to you on your, um, Sigma, uh, cafe ride thing you did with him, you know, and obviously maybe the disappointment in myself of never asking him if he's okay and stuff and, and the realization that, you know, he'd suffered some depression and mental health issues, really. So straight after that, you know, we, we just open up and talk most days now. Um, That's really cool. That's and and really supporting cool. Mark into another stage of his life, really. Yeah. And likewise, you know, he asked me and stuff, and that's what friends are for, really. Um, yeah. And I think it, it's things like that that mean a lot more to me now. So, you know, that that to answer your question, I think that's what inspires me now, really, is looking out for your mates and... um maybe people you don't know really you know you might someone might be really obnoxious to you or, or obscene to you on social media and just by being kind back to them they might say look i'm sorry i've had a really tough time at the moment and you, you start engaging in a conversation you might actually help someone do you know what i mean it's um you're always in charge of how you react that's the biggest um the biggest um choice you have in life is how you react to people so yeah matt that, go back to your first que- your question there that that's what, what inspires me these days i mean i know um whether this is like a question about inspiration or not but i know one of the things that you find massively rewarding that you haven't done for a while is actually go out for a ride with your lad as well you know with ben i mean uh, yeah we, we chatted about that i mean I, i've but only been on a couple of bike rides with my son, Josh. He's not a bike racer, but he can ride a bike. And do you know what? It was one of the best days of my entire life. And I know you went out recently. And what was that like? Yeah. I mean, um, he is hugely into cycling at the moment. He's a huge fan of Sagan. Obviously, he came on the tour with us last year, as you know. Um, he, he wants to be a cyclist when he's older. And he he's only ever sort of seen his dad as sort of Sir Wigo. And um, I think coming to the tour last year, some of his heroes, sort of their reaction towards me, and um, he, he struggled struggles, I suppose, to get his head around that at times. But now he sees, he knows who his dad is, and he doesn't really see me as that person anymore, which is great. That's how it should be. Um, and it's, um, yeah, I mean, I, I hadn't been on the bike for about a year, and I took him kindly. Sigma Sport gave us a couple of bikes, which was, you know, I think it was a privilege and. I don't feel entitled or um, that I should have stuff like that. I think it's a privilege and I felt very grateful and, and, and honored to be able to, to, to be able to have that in, in terms of being able to do something back for Sigma. I mean, I've had a relationship with Sigma for about 20 years. Obviously you've had a long-term relationship with them and Ian there is, um, you know, kind of, um, you know, a real decent guy and, and kind of was there before the boom. And I think it's, um, you know, the, the Olympic time trial went past that shop um, yeah. eight years on. You know, I've, they gave me a bike back in t- year 2000. And to be able to go back there and see how the shop's grown and be able to you know, have the, the privilege and the, the kind of be lucky enough to be given a bike just to partake in um, an activity that sort of 
I love so much. You know, it was a, it, I was very, very grateful and humbled by it. And, um, you know, to be able to then go and ride up Box Hill where the Olympic road race went with my lad who's 15 now, who's who dropped me up there. But, you know, <laughs> no, but I'm not. He's, a, he's, I'm a, not, strong, he's a strong lad though, isn't he? I mean, he's a strong lad. Yeah, but I'm not in competition <laughs> with him. You know, it's not, not about kicking his head in or anything. It was just the act of being able to do that. It was, um, you know, again, going back to what we started talking about at the start of this was... Um, it's the appreciation of stuff like that. And yeah. you had a similar experience. I know you told me about, um, you know, a year or two ago with your lad, really, you know, and it's those things that, um, as you get older, that you'll hold with you for the rest of your life, really. Um, yeah. I mean, it's the most basic form, but, you know, the, be- the best memories you'll ever have, isn't it? Yeah. It, it, it's really, I mean, I know, we, I know we keep going back to Cav, but it's kind of relevant because, you know, we both know him really well. And do you know what, what I love, you know, about seeing Cav's kind of social media stuff at the moment? He's always very funny on it anyway, is, is little Casper on his bike next to him. Yeah. You know, I yeah. mean, he's what, two or three? I mean, something like that. And to see that, it, it honestly, just warms the cockles of my heart, you know. And, and I'm obviously 15, 15, 20 years older than Cav, 15 years older than Cav, and my lad's grown up. But that one day that I went out for a ride with him, mate, it it brought me to tears while I was with him and he didn't see because he was just riding up ahead. And, and, but when you think about it in the grand scheme of, you know, what we do in life now, what, what, what we've achieved um, and in the grand scheme of, of everything, it's some of the smallest things that become the most special, you know, and, um, yeah. and that, and you just can't lose sight of those, those very, very important things. No, no. And, and life takes over, doesn't it? You know, and um, family situations change and, and, you know, your kids, are the most important thing really isn't they and um i think you know i think certainly as a parent you know when i was racing and that i didn't always feel even at the time i didn't feel like you know maybe i'm being the best parent here and you're always told you know but don't worry the sacrifice is worth it you know you're doing this for them when they're older but that's in a financial sense the, the sacrifice you know earn what you can now so you've got your future but you only seem to get them you only see them grow up once, don't you? And and, yeah. and those years in the teenage years, you know, that's when they need you the most. Um, oh, definitely. For, for their problems and stuff, really. And there's no, there's no amount. Of, that's not a financial thing. It's not like I need to borrow money. It's it's just they need emotional support and guidance as a parent, yeah. really. And yeah, I think that's that's a self worth thing. You know, is I mean, you could have millions in the bank, but have missed all your child kids growing up, and you know, they might have problems that they wish you were there back then. You, you never get those years back. So No, definitely. It, 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 and, and it's never too late, is it, to start that process, even if you feel, you know, no one's perfect. And you might feel that I wasn't there at a certain period for them, but it's never too late. And um, you can always make a difference, really. Yeah, definitely, mate. Definitely. Well, um, Brad, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to change tact very, very. Uh, we're gonna go off on a real tangent here. That's been that's been a, a really lovely Before conversation. Before we do that, can we have a wee? Shall we do? Shall we just pause the because I could do with a wee as well. So let's let's pause this portion of the podcast and come back with guess that snack after a wee. He's back. I'm back. We're back. Well, that was a lovely, uh, refreshing uh, bathroom break. I've got some snacks. I've uh, refilled my glass uh, full of beer. Um, and Brad, it's time now. Guess that snack. Yeah. Thanks for the reaction there, Brad. Um, so basically, this part of the podcast is to do with your oral ability to recognize some household snacks uh, by me crunching them. Okay. Now, 
what I've got in front of me, I've got three snacks. I'm going to talk. I'm going to tell you what they are. Um, all of them you'll have heard of. And, and then I'm going to pop one in my mouth, and you've just got to guess which one I'm eating first, and then we'll go through. Okay? Yeah. So I've got three snacks. I've got hula hoops. So ready sorted hula hoops, normal size, not the micro ones, and not the hula. Roast beef. They're not roast beef. They're salt, really salted. They're the standard ones in the red bag. Um, I've also got McCoys, ready salted McCoys. Now anybody listening in, um, let's say from the United States of America, for example, Australia, um, um, Turkmenistan. Basically, McCoys are a ridged, a very ridged, thick cut crisp, basically, aren't they? Yeah. Um, and hula hoops are like a potato-based snack in the shape of a hoop. Yeah. Now, we've also got um, some um, Pringles as well. Mm. And they're Texas Texas barbecue flavor. Do you but remember we- the um, French supermarket version we, were, we tried last year? Lay's. Oh, yeah, yeah. They were like, like fake Pringles, weren't they, basically? They were, they were. But there were some debate as to whether they were better. Yeah. Or whether they were produced under a license agreement by... Indeed. Yeah. Because I'm sure there's some sort of trademark on them because they were it's identical gotta be. other than Lay's. Yeah, exactly. And and also there, I mean, and then there was a Yop as well. And we could we could do a whole oh, podcast on yop. on the on the road snack. I mean, let's you, not you, get started on Yop. Oh, it's, it's brilliant, isn't it? I mean, it's yeah. it's, a, it's a if anybody doesn't know what Yop is, it's basically a it's yogurt drink. Milk. It's uh, angels crying on your tongue is the best way to describe it. Oh, I mean, I, I don't think I can get a better metaphor really or better description. Um, but anyway, let's just carry on with uh, guess, that, guess that snack. And it's snack number one. I'm going to insert into my mouth now, Brad. All I need for you, Ooh, I thought you were going to insert it somewhere else, then, Matt. Is to think about it and have a guess. So snack number one. Popping it in now. Here we go. As you do during lockdown. Right, that's quite large. I would say that is your McCoy's. Actually, no, change. Nope. No, 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 my- no, no, no. I'm going to go for the Pringle. That one, sorry, Pringle. <laughs> You're going for Pringle. It was very light. It, it crunched quite quick. I would say Pringle. Mate, your first answer was the correct one. It's it's a McCoy, not a Pringle. Oh, you bastard. Oh, mate. Okay. Um, next up, snack number two. I'm popping it in now. As you do. Very small. That's a hula hoop, mate. That was a that was a bloody that was a Pringle. Oh bloody hell! Right, final one. Here we go. Hula hoop. Yes, well, that was a hula yeah, hoop, mate. So you got one out of three, and we'll let me just play around with the points. So you got a hundred points out of a possible three hundred points. Let's have a round of applause. That's all we Brilliant. Yeah. Okay. Brilliant. So. Let's move on. Let's move on from Guess That <laughs> Snack. Um, I'm good. We got, I'm, I want to talk a little bit about art because I know you're into art at the moment. And um, you did a little post the other day with you yeah. splashing some paint onto a big canvas in your back garden. So yeah. w- w- what's all that about? I know, I know you've been into art for a little while. Yeah, I just, I've always been into it. I've, I've got quite a lot of art at my home. Um, I just never considered myself able to do it really and um i suppose it's just um if you could call it art really i don't know it's just a lot of it's just about putting emotion onto canvas really and the enjoyment to get from it. it's quite therapeutic um obviously we've all got a lot of time on our hands and i know what i like and i know what you know it's not about painting 
portraits of likeness of people and things like that. It's just, I realise that it's just a lot of it's about, you know, the process you go through, choosing the colours and, and somehow trying to convey that onto a canvas, really, without being too pompous or sounding pompous, really. And art comes in many different forms, really. And it's not about people liking it or saying it's good. But it's not about people saying it's good or bad. It's about people, whether people like it or not, or don't like it, you know? Mm. It's not everyone's cup of tea, but... You know, it's just, um, yeah, and I think a lot. I like putting words on things and then matching colours and, yeah, I think I, I having conceiving the idea, get a buzz from it and putting it down, really, and um, I don't know if it comes of age or I've always had, like, a creative sort of thought process, really, and I suppose a lot of it's just having the confidence to do stuff like that, really, in this day and age, um, and then not really giving a shit what people think because you're not doing it to be like to have people like it or whatever like that but people it resonates with people i realize that certain things resonate with people and they um and i do it on giant canvases really because i like the sort of the broadness and the big um, you know yeah and that's it really simple as that i don't consider myself an artist or you know i don't going to start walking around in a beret um But yeah, and I've you know a few friends that do it. Obviously, John Squire, Stone Roses. He considers himself more of an artist than a guitar player. And yeah, um, yeah, I don't know really. It's um, and just the discovery of of having ideas and trying to put them onto a canvas. I just quite like it really. And again, it's not about painting a portrait or a likeness of someone. Um, but yeah, I don't know really. It's it's a funny thing. And then having other ideas of how you can do that. I'm quite a circular person. I quite like sort of things that come in a circle, really. I think life's like that, and it really all sort of comes full circle. And they're definitely the emotion, trying to put an emotion onto canvas through a word and colours. So, yeah, that's kind of what that is, really, without trying to sound too pretentious about it or anything like that. No, I, no, I was just fascinated by it because I know we've spoken about it a bit before. Um, it's never really come up, and then there's a kind of mutual like of art. I mean, I've only really kind of very very recently went just literally yeah. turning 50 to got up, up collecting a little bit of art I've, I've never painted myself maybe i will maybe i won't i don't know but i get a lot of joy out of it but so this this piece that you've that you uh, posted on on instagram um it's, part, on it's, one of, it's one of a series i'm doing there's three that go together actually so that was the yeah. first one yeah um there's a lot of sort of patience involved because you've got I, the way i do it is a lot of, you have to wait a lot of time in between for the paint to dry because i don't want any I don't lay a lot of paints down at once because I don't want them crossing over and touching each other, really. And I suppose because the, ben- the one of that one was life, really. And um, I don't know, it's just the emotion of how I've seen life. Really. I did it on a sunny day in the garden. And that's it, really. I can't... Was that the first what? time you've ever painted? Was that the first t- time you've painted? Or have you done... No, I do, I've done quite a few things, really. I've done... I like using a lot of words, really. So I've, I had a thought process of doing... Putting my life on canvas, really, and and the veil of um, my sporting career under the reality of things I had as a child and that. Yeah. But, but that's quite a dark, painful painting to do, really. And, and I suppose it's a lot of that. You never really know someone, really, or what know anything about them or, or what they've experienced in the past. And I've got the idea of putting that, laying that down first and then putting my sporting career on top of it through sort of newspaper clippings and stuff. And it, it, it's sort of acting as a veil to lifting that sporting career up that you've had a brilliant life, but the tragedy underneath it, particularly with yeah. father and stuff. And, but the, it's quite hard to sort of start something like that because by nature of it, you're working 
having to remind yourself of all those things. So a lot of it's about the mind frame of mind you're in at the time when you when you do a piece, really. So, and that's why they're quite therapeutic, really. Yeah. So yeah, and, and I know that you're a big and and always have been. I mean, the art thing, I think both agree is is quite new, but you've always been keen on music as well and that, that's a massive part of your life isn't it you know you've yeah. got a frame of a lot of musicians and you play guitar pretty well as well mm. do you get a, still a lot of joy from from music and seeing bands and yeah I mean, yeah but and uh, i think music's very similar you know people that write music inevitably you end up taking inspiration from bands you like and stuff and there's there's a fine line between copying someone's work or taking something from that yeah. and putting your own take on it really and that's particularly with music there's only yeah. so many chords and so many melodies um you know and that sort of started with the beatles and elvis really didn't it and yeah, from definitely. that come bands like oasis and things but and, and art's much the same really that you know people have sort of said oh it's quite pollock-esque but but it's not really because his work's not that easy to replicate but I suppose there is an element of that in the technique that I was using, but a lot of it's about putting your own stamp on it, really. And, and you're not, I couldn't copy someone's work or try and copy it because I'm not in their frame of mind. And that's why I paint really just you're either in a happy place or you try and rep- come from a place of anger to create something to put that. Yeah. I don't feel in a place to want to put pain and anger and tragedy onto a canvas at the moment. So, you know it's, what I mean? It's kind of those yeah. things, really. Yeah. I mean, uh, again, it, we're kind of spinning off into a kind of different world, which I find really, really fascinating. And, and I know a, li- a little bit about Jackson Pollock and he's just the colors that he used were a lot, lot darker. I mean, there's obviously he's got a lot of different, you know, drip paintings as they're famously called, but mm. you know, he suffered a lot uh, with through alcohol abuse and ended up wrapping his car around mm. a, around a tree or a lamppost not far from his, from his hat, ha- from his house. But a lot of his pictures are very, very dark. Mm. And a lot, a lot of the paint that he used, obviously layer, layers and layers and layers over time. But generally, there's a lot. There's a white with a lot of brown, a lot of black, a lot of grey. And I thought that the piece that you debate, there's a lot of joy in it because the colours that you chose, a yeah. lot of brightness and hope, you know, without being pretentious. Yeah, no, that, that's that's it really. So, and that's the f- frame of mind I'm in at the moment by doing something like that really. So, um, yeah, and it, it, as I said, it's one of the, I'm doing three canvases on that yeah. each one's gonna have three different colors but um there's three words you know life second canvas is gonna be being and the third one's simplicity um which is how i see sort of life now is that life being simplicity um and then you can change them in any order to put them on a wall so simplicity being life um, yeah and there's a lot of meaning between behind each word on that and each one's got three different colors three different techniques of, of using how you water paints down let them run off the canvas and I like the, the idea that the way I lay the paint down is it can land, it lands where it wants to land when you flick paint. Yeah. Um, and that's simplicity, really. You know, you can't have too many expectations on how you want life to pan out and things. So, I mean, it sounds quite deep. I, I certainly don't want it to sound pretentious or self It doesn't, mate. I, I mean, the, the, the thing is, I think... That's just people, how I see it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and I suppose it, the greatest compliment is, is, is if people like it and people have asked me yeah. to do commissions and want to buy pieces and that and it's it, i don't do them for myself not that precious about them not to hang in my own house or anything it just it's quite nice that you can pass everything you put into that onto someone else mm. I, th- I think that's the thing if, if it do you know what i mean um again th- th- this is i think pretty unusual territory for yourself to be talking about but i, I find it fascinating mate. but i think if, if you if you do something doesn't that doesn't harm anybody else that that makes you feel good yeah. then that you'll be beyond criticism mate and if anybody wants to then take it and 
take a, a harder look at it and kind of break it down. That's completely up to them. But if it gives you joy, then you know. Yeah, but I don't think what, it's what the hell, mate? It's quite redundant, really. I mean, if someone wants to break it down and spend the time to tell you, then you know, I get a proper job, and um, I'd rather suck a fire out of a damp sock than try and decipher someone's work you don't like. You know what I mean? <laughs> there are a lot of better better things to do in life, aren't there? Yeah. I mean, uh, and uh, one of the things, obviously, Brad, that you've done exceptionally well through your life is being an amazing bike rider and i'm gonna if you don't mind if you're willing i know you're a bit of a well everybody knows you're pretty much a you're a not so much a statistician but you've got a real amazing board yeah yeah you know you're inside you're you're knowledgeable about any passion you have in life aren't you yeah and uh, and uh, and you know a lot about bike results. Even my little little career I had, you you know more about my results than than than, than I do, and that, that's mm. that's kind of amazing. But you know a lot about about the history of bike riding and, and mm. results. Yeah. But my, I've got. But what I've done, um, I don't think these questions are too hard. But they're kind of what they'll do is maybe there'll be a barometer of how much you really do know about your own results. And I'm intrigued to see how you get on. And I've got three questions for you, mate. Mm. Um, and this is. The Bradley Wiggins quiz, quiz, quiz. So, <laughs> is that Rob Sorensen? Is that Rob Sorensen? It can't be any body from them up because they're all talk like that. They're all talk like that. It's lovely to have Rolf. It's so I can't believe that you come all the way to West London. Is it, you. Are you looking at Brad's paintings? Really happy. Really happy. Really happy to be here. Um, and I know that, well, from what he was saying, he's, Brad showed you some of his paintings. What do you think of them? Because they're interesting, aren't they? Amazing. Amazing, Matthew. Really amazing. They say everything three times as well. <laughs> well, a little bit of a, a little chip, bit of cheeky Dane of the day thrown into the mix. We're not even going to, do you know what? We're not going to charge the listeners for that, are we? That's absolutely free. Should we just do a free jingle, Matt, between us? Three, two, one. Day of the day. Oh, beautiful. Strag it lucky. Oh, day of the day. Making a, a guest appearance on Matt Stevens Unplugged, powered by Sigma Sports. Right, the quiz is going to begin now. Question number one. Okay, take yourself back. I don't think it's going to be particularly hard to 2012. Mm. You're you're obviously standout season. How many individual time trials, Bradley, did you win that season in 2012? Um, well, won every one. So, um... and for a bonus point, can you name them all? Yeah. Walter <laughs> Algarve. Correct. Um, Paris. Correct. To Coldes, yep. Romandy, three. Romandy, four. Two in the tour, five and six. Olympic time trial, seven. That's correct. Every single one, correct. I mean, you did that within 20. Incredible. Well, obviously an amazing year, wasn't it? I mean, um, Mm. actually... What mid mid quiz? I'm going to ask you one question because I'm, mm. I'm fascinated about it. I mean, y- your results speak for themselves, Bradley. There's no need to talk about to dwell on those. But mm. I'm intrigued. What to you, thinking back, and you obviously had a lot of good days on the bike. What was? Can you remember the best day on the bike, or one of the days that stands out in your mind where you it hurt, but you you didn't really feel that kind of pain, and you just floating? What What's the day to you that kind of well, you're, you're absolutely yeah. pleased to think? I think. Look, the Le Chant time trial on the tour, the last time trial. Um, yeah. 
I was just flowing that day. James Murdoch and all that were in the car behind me. Um, Olympic time trial. That week, really, I would say. Mm. Both those, I have to say. Um, and I think the, the Olympic time trial coming, the only time I sort of took my eye off out that zone, really, because I used to ride in such a zone, was coming over Kingston Bridge, where I probably, the, the occasion got the better of me, really. And I came over Kingston Bridge, did a ride to slow right down because you had to take the, the, the way you'd go around it in a car. Yeah. And as I accelerated out, the, the, the amount of people, and it was sort of, took me back to those sort of pictures of Kia Putti riding to Sestriere as a kid, you know, where, yep. and I remember Liggett always saying, because there was that many people, they were parting as he was coming up, you know, like the sea parting, because everyone's trying to get a glimpse. And I could always remember Liggett saying, let him see the road to Sestriere. And Kia Putti's waving his hands like for him to get out of the way. It, it was like that as I accelerated out the roundabout and the noise gave me goosebumps. Um, yeah. And funny enough, it was just as I went past Sigma Sports. So, and that's 5k to go. Um, it was phenomenal. I mean, amazing. I mean, I, I, I'd like to think one day, mate, that we could um, do something around that TT course. We will be. Um, we will. I think we'll, we, we, we've got something in the in, on the back burner, haven't we, that we'd, we'd love we to have. do to kind yeah, of reenact yeah. that. Um, but um, question number two um, for you, Bradley, is what was your average speed in the 2012 Olympic time trial? I've got three choices for you, unless you know it off the top of your head. I know the right. first two numbers. Okay. Um, I think it was 52.2. Okay. So, I'm, 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 you, yeah, you, you're on there, mate, but I'm going to give you three choices and you need to pick the right one. So, was it A, 52.022? Mm-hmm. Was it B, 52.122? Or was it C, 52.33? Sorry, 322. The third one, 52.23, whatever it was, whatever you said it was. So fifty-two point three two two, or one two two. Three two two. It's one two two, mate. One two two. It's go. one two two. It's still, you still, you still got those numbers there, though. I mean, I know it's fifty-two. We, I couldn't remember the rest, and I remember I won yeah. by thirty-nine seconds. Yeah, it was. Um, yeah. It was a, a big victory margin. Then obviously, yeah, that was Tony Martin, wasn't it? Chris Froome third, and I, yeah, and I and I pushed you off that day. You did. I mean, you do did. you ever? I mean. Do you, I remember think, that. I do you think ever I think of that moment? You, I? I said hello to you. <laughs> do you ever think of that moment? <laughs> no, but I said hello to you, didn't I? I remember getting on the ramp. You did. And going, Hi. Sorry, you, you did. You, um, you were shitting yourself. You looked really nervous. You looked like... In you, a, you looked like you volunteer's outfit on. I did. I still got it, mate. Still got the shoes. It was too big for you. Do you know, what we, do you know if, if we do reenact this, mate, I've still got all that kit. What were the shoes? What were the shoes they gave you? No, Adidas shoes. Adidas? Adidas two stripe, Adidas. What do you mean from the market? Adidas two yeah, stripe, like fake Adidas. Mate, the thing is, I've still got all my games maker kit. We could the trousers get, were huge, weren't they? They were like they MC were, Hammer. They were re- they were a lovely loose fit. You know, you know, like the type of fit of trousers that you get on the back of the Daily Mail on Sunday mm-hmm. uh, for nine ninety nine for like six pairs. The t shirt was way too big for you. It was like that horrible synthetic nylon that you just sweat and stink of body odour, don't you? Well, the, the, uh, it, they, they did come. I mean, God bless them. I mean, I had, I had a great time being a games maker, but if you went anywhere near a naked flame, mate, it was game over. You had to be really careful you know, yeah. about just setting fire to yourself. Yeah. And I didn't want that. You um, didn't want that, really. And no. God forbid Guy Fawkes was there. Oh, can you imagine? Well, I oh. can't imagine, actually, Matt. No. I can't imagine you being in flames. No, thank, thank goodness. Thank goodness. Anyway, from, from flaming Matt Stevens to question number three. 
Okay. What place, Brad, did you finish in the in the, your second ever Tour of Flanders? So your first ever Tour of Flanders, uh, you DNF'd, but in your second Tour of Flanders, 49th. you placed... Pardon? 49th. Oh, mate. It was 50th. Oh, I thought it was 49th. But I remember we, I came in in the group with Zabel Cipollini that we came in for 23rd place. We were sprinting for 23rd. Um, it was quite a big group. But yeah, it was a... Yeah, 50th, was it? Yeah, I always thought it was 49th, but never mind. I'm sure... Unless somebody was since subsequently been busted or something, but from the information that I've got, um, it was... Yeah, you were... I think it was 49th. I think you're wrong. It's got 50th down here, mate. But who, for an extra bonus point, uh, who was just a couple of places behind you? Oh, in front of you, in the same group. He's a, a lad that we know very well. Uh, Roger Hammond? Indeed. Yeah. For Palman's Colstrop. It was. I mean, look, I mean, look, at the, look, look at the couple of people in front of you, mate. 47. Cipollini was there. Zabel was there. That's brilliant. I, I, I love looking at the names. Okay. In, the, in your group, mate, uh, Stephen de Jong, Zabel, uh, Taffy was 47th, yeah. 48th Hammond, 49th Gaumont, 50th Wiggins, 51st Croom, 53rd Devolder, yeah. Tosato, 50. It's great, and I love looking at old right. results. Great. Yeah. <laughs> it's great, isn't it? Yeah. So, okay. I mean, we came in for 23rd, so coming up that home straight in Meal Baker, it was just great to be in that group and get over the mule and everyone, everything with those guys, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, talking of, um, I know you had a, you know, a, obviously you won the tour and you had a you had the track but exceptionally successful on the track but very late in your career you had a bit of a love affair with the classics didn't you i mean ultimately what if you'd had a, a choice mate i know I'm, I'm thinking aloud here and you know and it's it's a kind of a very hypothetical question but if you could have won the tour of flanders or one or one roubaix what, what would you have gone for tough one isn't it yeah i'd love to have won roubaix yeah but but if i'd won roubaix and not the tour and the Olympics and all that. I probably wouldn't be sat here now talking to you with a bike from Sigma and that, you know. Yeah. I think I probably would have gone unnoticed in this country having won Roubaix. Um, it it kind of had to be like that to coincide with the boom in cycling with Cav and Froome's achievements and everyone's really, didn't it? Yeah, yeah. But we are fortunate enough to be sat here now doing a podcast and it's deemed listenable enough really because I sort of had to win the tour really alongside Cav as world champion and all that for it to be deemed inspiring enough for you know half the country to take up cycling really so in that case it's a real privilege really and on and I wouldn't change anything really because of the joy it's given to so many people yeah it, it, it was uh, I think uh, I, I do a little bit of speaking at events and stuff and evenings and stuff and my opening gambit a few years ago was I always used to say can you can you imagine uh, back in like let's say 2000 and or 2000 or 1999 or something you know can you imagine somebody telling you in 1999 2000 that in 10 12 years time you'd have a, a you know a british rider would be world road race champion and heading into the champs elysees he'd be he'd be been led out by a british rider who's yeah. going to win the tour de france and then he'd win the stage it's it's I know you've been told this a lot of times, but I just think it's so fantastical 
I was amazing within our world. The best moment it, at all for me. Doing but, that. but it happened, didn't it? And it, it was astonishing, mate. And, and and I don't think we we may not ever see anything quite like that because of uh, there's so many stars that align for something as beautiful as that to happen. You know. Mm. Yeah, and um, 19 years before that, I stood on that corner where I swung off having led Cav out and watched mm. Bunyo and Indra and all that come at the '93 tour come across there, and Abdul Japarov won that day. And yeah. You know, to, to be on there 19 years later doing that, it was phenomenal. I think, and I think, um, when you saying that, and it, when you when you see uh, another, you know, like <laughs> there's a picture of Adam Blyer the other day he posted on Instagram for your birthday, didn't he? A picture of him yeah. with you presenting something, and there's yeah, a lot of yeah. 10 year age gap. And but the, the the how democratic our sport is, you know, oh. it's had a, it's had a troubled past. We know that, but it still remains one of the most democratic sports in the world. Yeah, you know, there's. Yeah. You, you can get close to your heroes, your heroines, and you can ride the same routes. I mean, and that's what, you know, when you think about it for the first time, it, it's, you know, the, the the sheer utter joy of just putting your, throwing your leg over a bike and riding as a kid and then being able to do what you did later on. It, it must be, you know, it's bringing well, it's life changing for a lot of people. And yeah. I, I, I see that whole thing as just a complete privilege and an honor to be able to do that. I don't take it for granted. Um, that I'm able to still earn a living out of the sport and mm. be able to talk about the thing I love. Um, you know, it's an honour, really. I don't take it for granted for one minute. Well, that's. Uh, I think, Brad, that's actually a, a kind of lo- a wonderful way to wrap wrap this potty up. Yeah, let's, been, see it, let's wrap it up. Yeah, I mean, it's nice, mate. I mean, uh, yeah, it's, it's been it's, it's been good. it's been a lot of fun, and and thank you so much for taking the time to. No, thank to you, Matt. Us, thank you. It's been it's been a lot of fun, and uh, and hopefully, well, not hopefully. I know our paths will cross um, in the future, mate, but. But for now, mate, thank you very much. You stay safe. Pass on my regards to the yeah. family and thank we'll you. catch up very soon, Cheers, mate. Matt. Thank you very much for all that. It was great. And I hope Take- people enjoy it. Thanks very much, mate. Take care, buddy. Bye-bye. Cheers. Right, that was great. But now, I'm afraid it's time for Kenny's cassette. Just bear with me that I'll put the tape in. I've been very busy of over the past week or so uh, inside the B factory still with big problems um, but as well as producing uh, tinned vegetables by the pallet I am looking back through the archives of Kenny I'm very inspired by uh, the things I've said to the people to the children and uh, to the pets uh, at the tour uh, back in uh, 1998 just before I'm retiring where I would go uh, to the farms and speak to uh, speak to the animals to give them the advice, but I did not use my lips. I did not use uh, my tongue or my mouth. I used my mind. I looked into the eyes of the the animals, the big ones and also the medium-sized ones and the small ones also, the different shapes. Um, then I speak to them with my mind, and they give them the advice to be happy in life. So uh, it is not only people that can be inspired by Kenny Van Flamick, it is also the pets. And um, as well as thinking about uh, my past emotions and my connections with the pets and uh, with the animals of, uh, of West Flanders primarily, I uh, am a big uh, exponent of the poetry. I have a couple of poems for you today. I have one uh, from Tom de Moulin, which I am writing in uh, the early stages of 2018. But... Uh, I will read it for you now. This is a poem for Tom de Moulin. Tom, you go up, down, on the flat, on the stones, 
in a chrono also as well. You are at home using your tool, the bicycle, although it is as if you are the bicycle and not the bicycle your tool, such as the way you sing with your legs like a tall butterfly. That is a poem for Tom the Moon. I'm also uh, writing a, a poem for, a short poem for uh, Fabian Cancellara. I uh, sent it to him before the classics and also before the Olympic Games, which he is winning. Uh, and I think he was inspired by this uh, short poem. Poem for Fabian Cancellara. Fabian, you collect monuments. I collect those traps. Do you have a loft? Possibly. But who has been inside it? That is a poem for Fabian Cancellara. And finally today I have been thinking about uh, science and the way to improve people's lives on a daily basis. And uh, one day, I think it was two, two three days ago, I see a guy walking and I noticed that he has things on his, uh, his feet called shoes. And I got to thinking that what if there was not shoes, if shoes had not been invented? Uh, this is a fax uh, from Fabian. Again, he wants me to come to his loft. I cannot come today because I am in the beef factory. But I was thinking, what are the best substitutes uh, for shoes? So, uh, number one, as it wearing more socks than normal, maybe 12 to 15 pairs, or maybe maximum of 22 pairs of socks at one time as a replacement for shoes. Uh, two, uh, maybe real actual feet can be can be shoes because skin is an okay but very thin sort of human shoe from nature. So the skin around your feet is also a shoe, a nature shoe. And finally, uh, maybe you can use cats, maybe two cats, one on each foot, uh, and with their agreement, with no cruelty involved, and maybe use the toe straps to fasten the, uh, the cats to your feet and you can have uh, get shoes. Thanks very much for that, Kenny. Well, another cracking show. Really enjoyed myself uh, today. Um, talking to Bradley, absolutely fascinating stuff, and uh, great to have Kenny Van Vlaming on as as ever. Uh, well, I was just writing a little song for you, man. Oh, right. Great. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Thank you. You've, you've... Today is coming in your ears. It's Stevens on the pod. He does a little, little thing where he talks about the people who have made the sport. Brad? Oh, I think we lost him. Anyway, thanks for listening, everybody. And, uh, and don't forget, this May, you can get £25 cash back when you buy a Wahoo Element Bolt at Sigma Sports. Just visit sigmasports.com forward slash podcast. And if you're enjoying this podcast, please rate and subscribe, helping us reach even more fans of all things tangential to cycling. But for now... Goodbye and stay safe.